0: Welcome to t Hanks for the Memories. I'm your host Darren, and today we are going to be discussing Pinocchio. No, not that version of Pinocchio. Uh, the other version of Pinocchio. We're there. No, not that version of Pinocchio. You're thinking about the other version of Pinocchio. Yes. For some reason, at the end of last year, there were three different Pinocchios out there, um, and I was like, "What on earth is happening?" That suddenly everyone is interested in little wooden boys uh this of course premiered on disney plus streaming on the 8th of september 2022 which feels weird that we're not in that year anymore um but the, the weirdest thing about this is like you think to yourself oh i'm sure there's been tons of films that have like premiered on disney plus and the answer is no there aren't this is only the second like proper disney thing that premiered on there um, everything else that kind of went on there was released in cinemas first um, and then went on to stream in pretty quickly after that and then was hmm. sued by Disney, uh, by Scarlett Johansson because they shouldn't have done that because, you know, there was things in contracts. Uh, but yeah, this, I think, is one of the final things that came out before the previous guy who was in charge of Disney was was sacked and or quit oh, and okay. then was replaced by Bob Iger who was come in and basically said whatever that guy was doing We're doing less of that, less MCU, less Star Wars, and let's put a brakes on remaking, um, you know, animated films, which is what this is. We should be very specific out of all the Pinocchios. You know, obviously the 1940 Pinocchio is one of the films that established uh, Disney as a studio, you know, after the success of Snow White. Um, I think it was like Cinderella and then Pinocchio. Those are like the first two. Um, somewhere around there, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with, with ma- basically magical people singing and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and so this is a remake very specifically of that. The, the phrase, like the name Jiminy Cricket, um, which obviously is a play on kind of like an American expression, um, is, is only in that version of Pinocchio. Everywhere else there is a cricket, but generally he's called other names. Um, he's not called Jiminy. Jiminy right. is very much, you know, and the design of this Pinocchio... With the different with the color scheme and everything, and with the like it is very specifically disney um and Tom is getting top billing. because I don't think there's really anybody else in this film of note um
1: yeah, Cynthia Rivo, I guess, yeah.
0: But she's in it for, like, two minutes. Uh, Yeah, well, yeah, I know. The thing is, I saw her date of birth, and I was like, no, there's no way that someone who has done this much can be that young. But, yeah, you know, there are people born (laughs) in the 80s now who have won Tonys and various other things. Um, So, yeah, she's the only other real, like, I mean, there's, like, an Italian guy playing Strombone, but, like, I don't know who that guy is. And, um, you know, everyone else is mostly...
1: Oh, and Luke Evans. Yeah. In it. But I'm not also
0: briefly. Not going to get any kind of billing, is he? Um, So, and there weren't, I mean, there weren't really posters for this thing. There's like one poster which kind of shows the shadow of Pinocchio walking against the sunset, and and that's it. Like, there's. this never got a theatrical release, so of course, you know, they didn't go to the trouble of having like tons of character posters or anything like that. Um, it managed to get 27% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is one of the lowest reviews for Tom's mm-hmm. films. I think only like Polar Express and all the stuff with um, Robert Langdon got lower reviews and possibly that one where he was like a, a guy in the war. who He's like a, an American who plays a British airman, but he's still American. Um, and it was directed by mm. a guy who's from Israel, I think um it's uh I, I, I didn't enjoy that film i can never remember the name I don't well it's fr- it's from the early 80s and it's not very good um tom hanks has a limp in it for most of the film um so so and joining me to talk about this you've already heard her it is sarah ifdecker returning once more um this time we're not talking about robert langdon um but no, I, I guess goodness. we are talk talking well, about something european so uh kind of fits with yeah. the theme um, and yeah, so I I didn't bother watching. I haven't got Disney Plus. I didn't bother watching this in like September when it came out, um, you know. So I watched it this week. Uh, I, I'm assuming you're in pre- mm-hmm. pretty much the same boat. not about. I don't know about how, whether or not you got Disney yeah. Plus. I don't want to make any judgments about you know people's subscriptions here, but
1: I do actually have oh, Disney Plus, and I appreciate Disney Plus for many things. Um, this movie was not. One of the things that I was like, wow, it's out on Disney Plus today. I need to go and watch it. Yeah. Um, but I do have a weird fascination with Robert Zembeckis and his like relationship to animation that comes out of my having covered his, uh, his Beowulf film on my own podcast. Yes. And that is why I was like, well, oh, I think this will be interesting, too. <laughs>
0: experience. Yeah, I have like here's the, I mean here's the weird thing about Bobby Z, which is what I'm going to call him because that's also the name of a drummer for Prince. Uh in that case, I can't remember what the Z stood for. It Prince had a tendency to just nickname people and that's all you knew them by. And you're like, "Okay, I guess that's their name forever name." Um so yeah, Bobby Z like obviously, you know, his start you know, he he like he wrote 1941 for Steven Spielberg, which is obviously mm-hmm. notoriously like the worst Spielberg film ever. Uh, depending on your generation, because there's a lot of people out there who hate Hook, but Hook made money and was moderately successful. As a, like for, by the critics, the critics I, didn't hate Hook, so
1: I genuinely like Hook. I, I have not seen Hook in maybe 20 years, but at least I used to genuinely like Hook.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think I'm too old to appreciate whatever Hook was trying to do, and uh, you know, kids eating imagining fil- food and, and screaming Rufio over and over again it didn't really appeal to <sighs> me um so yeah so he you know he hooked up with steven spielberg you know he directed a couple of films um you know romance in the stone you know obviously a classic Mm -hmm. i first saw it when i was going to france on a coach um so i only vaguely grasped what was happening on that in that film because it was literally a tv that was like five seats away and you could barely see what was happening but Mm -hmm. you know so and then obviously uh you know back to the future trilogy who framed roger rabbit you know these are all these are all held up as classics um mm-hmm. and then he starts working with tom hanks and I, I i like this is the fourth time he's worked with tom hanks but like the work he's done with tom hanks is kind of very odd in that like yeah you know you've got forrest gump you know uh highest grossing film of that year people acknowledge it as a classic obviously it can be a bit divisive because it's essentially you know look at this uh you know straight white male who managed to get famous uh, how did mm-hmm. he overcome all the the ob- you know everything that was put in front of him all the obstacles of you know Having legs that didn't work and then being super successful at everything else for the rest of his life and becoming a it's multi-millionaire. Not aged well as
1: a movie, yeah, I, I mean, in a lot of ways. I
0: I think I think the acting in it can't be like there's so many good like everybody in that film acts really well, but yeah, the themes about it and you know obviously the fact that the novel's meant to be satirical and the film plays it so straight. So that's where we start with you know Robertson Zemeckis and Tom Hanks, and then you know Robert Zemeckis, you know he's got five minutes to spare while he's making. Um, you know, Castaway. Uh, so he goes off and does What Lies Beneath, and then he comes back to Castaway after Tom's lost a lot of weight. And obviously, you know, Oscar bait in its in its purest form. And you mm-hmm. know, I enjoyed that film. It's a great film. Tom Hanks makes you care about a volleyball. Although the weird thing is, like, only forty five minutes of like a two hour film is actually spent with him on that island. There's a lot of that film that is huh. filler around that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after he gets back, there's there's all this stuff like where you know his wife has moved on and. You know, he wants to like kinda I don't know, have sex in the car while she's married to this I other know.
1: guy.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a whole I know
1: I've seen it, but I completely <laughs> just blocked out that entire part of the movie. There's
0: a, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens after he gets back where it's like the airline, you know, and and the and FedEx don't want to pay money but then they do. There's like lots it l- Sounds they like FedEx. get they get resolved pretty quickly, but it's kind of weird. Everyone remembers like the crossroads at the end. Um, but people you know, they forget the fact that there's like you know, 30 minutes of stuff in between. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, live action films. He's done two with Bobby Z. And then, the, literally, the next film that, that Robert Zemeckis does, and the, not the next film that Tom Hanks does, because he did a few more films in between, but is The Polar Express. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've spoken about that film. It's a nightmare, it's terrible. <clears throat> Um, you know, it's, I, I think it just barely managed to make money cause it was so expensive, but obviously wish people should have been paying attention to it because that was the start of Robert Zemeckis getting obsessed with getting a bunch of actors together in a room, sticking a bunch of ping pong balls on them and then f- f- filming that yep. and having everybody else do the work afterwards. And like you said, you discussed Beowulf. I saw Beowulf at the cinema, mm-hmm. uh, at the time, the cinema I saw it at, which is, you know, my local cinema where where I'll be going tonight. um, that, and where I was last night. They they only had one digital screen to start off with, uh, which was screen nine. So yeah, we, my, my cinema had one local, like one screen that was digital, which was screen nine. Mm-hmm. And that is the screen where all the 3D films would be on, because that was the only digital screen they had. Um, and so I remember seeing Beowulf um, in three D, like maybe twice. I think I think I saw it by yeah, myself. You. And then I went. Well, a friend wanted to see something, and it was still it was still the only film that was really on. And I don't think he'd seen anything three D at that point. So I was like, okay, the three D effect was you know pretty good because they spent quite a bit of time mm-hmm. getting it correct. Makes
1: sense. And
0: it was a lot easier for them to make a three D effect on a film that was effectively all CGI. Right. So. You know, I don't know about the accuracy in terms of the storyline of Beowulf. No. Yeah.
1: The answer is no, <laughs> is the short version.
0: <laughs> yeah. But what, the like, the, the choice that I enjoyed that Beowulf made, is it Ray Winston, who's playing, like, the main...
1: Yeah, who's playing Beowulf. Yeah. The titular Beowulf.
0: Yeah, and, like... It, when he was on is he on screen as somebody else and then he t- uh, well no he's
1: it's that Beowulf and this is true of both the film and of the original uh, the original story that it starts with Beowulf when he's young and then has Beowulf uh, when he you know 20 or thirty years later yes so he gets to play both the young and that's the one benefit I think of the CGI situation. is that the same actor can actually convincingly work as young and old Beowulf in a way that I think would be a lot harder to do just with makeup.
0: Yes, that makes sense. Um, And I mean, also notable that um, Crispin Glover uh, is in that and obviously he fell out with uh, Robert Zemeckis over Back to the Future 2. So that, that was an interesting, at the time that was an interesting story. But yeah, also Ray Winston in that film is ripped to hell. Like he's super, super buff. And it was kind of funny seeing Ray Winston's voice come out of a guy that just looked like he was at the gym twenty four seven. Um but I guess
1: As he yells, I am Beowulf!
0: <laughs> yeah. But but I guess, but I think I guess that's that like that's that's like that's the advantage, like you say, of CGI is you can just take anybody and turn them into anyone else. Um and so obviously in that in that case, you know, Ray Winston was turned into a super buff Beowulf. Now then of course um, you know, we also then get A Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey playing 19 different roles. Um, And again, like all CGI, all motion capture stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It's basically like a decade of that's all he that's all Robert Zemeckis did was just three films between, you know, the year 2001 and the year 2010. And they were just all motion capture stuff. Um, and then he did, it's weird because I saw all, like I saw uh, Beowulf and Christmas Carol at the cinema. And then I also saw Flight, which, you know, his return to live action. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also saw The Walk, which was um, the first time that he, who is, is Joseph Gordon-Levitt in The Walk? Am I going crazy? Am I?
1: That sounds right to me, but yes. I have not actually seen The Walk. I've just listened <laughs> to the Blank check episode on The Walk. So Yeah,
0: so I saw it at the cinema um and yes joseph gordon levitt i only mentioned that because obviously he's in he's in pinocchio he plays the main character jiminy cricket it's a, we'll get into it in a bit but yeah it's a...
1: doing quite an accent <laughs>
0: yeah and this is it like i was i was like who is who the hell is playing jiminy cricket and then obviously you know i i looked at the credits and i was like oh right okay yes that kind of makes sense because obviously he's worked with robert zemeckis before that is some robert zemeckis is known for being quite loyal to you know people that he's worked mm-hmm. with so um yeah and then we had allied which was like i don't know kind of boring I, I just remember like towards the end i'm like is somebody gonna kill somebody like this is a film about war and we've got brad pitt being married to uh what's her face um who turns out to be a traitor spoiler a lot for allied but it's in all the trailers Uh, Marianne Cotillard you know she's like suspected of being of
1: course she's going to turn out to be a spy yeah uh,
0: she's suspected of being (laughs) why else would you hire Marianne Cotillard (laughs) yeah she's suspected of being a traitor and Brad Pitt's like no she's not a traitor Um, but then, yeah, it turns out she's a traitor, so, like, they shoot her in the head on a landing strip or whatever the the end of the film is. Like I said, spoiler alert for Allied. Although that that film, what's funny about all these films I'm mentioning is they all, like, The Walk cost, like, 60 million, and at the box office it made, like, 61 million. Allied cost, apparently, 113 million, and it only made 119 million. So, like, Robert Zemeckis is going through a decade... I don't know, living out like the ultimate like mediocre white guy life because yep. he's spending so much money on these films and they are making no money whatsoever, and yet yep. they still keep giving him money. Uh,
1: Beowulf too, I think, did not. I don't remember the numbers, but did not, I think, perform impressively at the box office relative to its budget.
0: Yeah, no, it was like 150 million. It made 200 million. So basically, yeah. you need 300 million to break even on that. So yeah, it lost like 100 million. And yet they let him make Christmas Carol. I think the only, uh, which which actually, again, didn't quite make its money back. 200 million made 325 million. So, yeah, like, I don't, like, for basically almost any other, like, if, if you didn't have Cast Away, which made a lot of money and was very cheap, and, like, Forrest Gump, which was the highest grossing film in 1994, um, and if you didn't have, like, Flight, because that was obviously, the, you know, that... Barely cost anything and it made like a ton of money, and it was nominated for Oscars and stuff so like if you didn't have like these these like slight peaks you wouldn't be able to get away with making welcome to Marwin, which right made no money whatsoever and again had like this kind of like stop motiony thing going on with like the characters which then turned into real people um. And
1: And maybe it would have been better if he hadn't been able to make Welcome to Marwen. I'm just saying.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And again, like, there's this weird weird thing where, like, you know, Polar Express is based on a book that consists of, like, I don't know, seven paintings. Like, it's not a deeply complex thing to adapt. And obviously, like you say, Beowulf, just not accurate to how Beowulf is. Um, Oh, no. You know, A Christmas Carol, you know, it's a kind of faithful remake. But again, I think, like, it downplays some of the stuff that is done better in other, you know, versions of that film. Um, you know, flight is an is like a, an original film, so you know nothing to, you know. I mean, the amount of drugs and alcohol that Denzel consumes, I'm not sure that a person could actually be a pilot and do all that. But you know, uh, that's that's a discussion for a different podcast. Um, and then the walk is like a remake of a like documentary, and Welcome to Marwen is right. a remake of a documentary. <laughs> and so it's like right. I like his his two focuses in in life since making Forrest Gump seem to have been. Like adaptations of stuff that probably shouldn't have been adapted. And then also remakes of stuff that has already been done better. So why are you making the remake? Uh, which is
1: Yeah, and this is also very much one of those things, right? Where, you know, different people have different opinions about the assorted Disney remakes. My feeling tends to be fine, do whatever you want. I don't really care. But I've never, I've yet to see one where I don't come away with it thinking, wow, I really now want to go and watch the original, which is a better movie. And that's also true here, although this one has an an, an additional array of issues which we'll get into.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So and, and, you know, we get ourselves to a point where basically, um, you know, Robert Zemeckis, uh, you know, the goodwill from doing Back to the Future, like, you know, 30 something years ago. Um his pro- his project directly before this was a remake of The Witches. Again, I don't know why you would need I don't know why you would need to do that. You know, he sets it in Chicago, he changes everything so that it's not quite the same. Um you know, you have Anne Hathaway trying to play a role that was done way better by Angelica Houston. Right. You know, you've got like like and the the funny the funny thing is like um like Again, like it's it's like why are you like that ended up going to streaming, so it didn't get a chance to fail at the box office, uh, unlike some other films that Robert Zemeckis has made in the last ten years. <laughs> so, but I, I like to me, it's like I don't know what's like what has happened in particular to like Robert Zemeckis that has pushed him in this direction of like either remaking stuff that doesn't need to be remade, or. Uh, adapting stuff that has already been adapted in a better manner. Of course, you know, this probably being the apotheosis of everything that we've just talked about, you know, it's yep. it's it's obsessed with CGI in a way that... Look, I, I mean, I, here's what I'll say. I had no complaints with the CGI. Pinocchio looks fine. Like, but then you reach... The, as I said, there were three Pinocchios out last year. In uh, Admittedly, one of them was, like, some kind of low-budget... Right. like, animated thing that was delayed a couple of years because of, like, getting, like, uh, American actors to come in and do voiceovers and stuff. But then the choice they made was Paulie Shaw, who, uh, like, is is, is, is like, I'm sure is a very nice person. He's one of the ultimate Nepo babies as well, because, like, he only got his stand-up in, in, like, he only got his start in stand-up comedian, like, being a stand-up comedian because his mom owned the stand-up, like, a stand-up, ve- like, the most famous stand-up venue in California. So it's, like, you know, like... It feels like his entire career is just people being nice to him. Um, And so, like, we end up with this point, like, where we've got all these Pinocchios flooding the market. Um, And even on Wikipedia, uh, to distinguish between the Pinocchios, there's literally um, a disclaimer at the top that says this, you know, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is where you need to go for the other one. Like, there's literally, like, a redirect at the top um you know and like you say this you know there's a, there's been a string of um you know disney live action remakes um you know which for some reason people feel goes all the way back to the jungle book in 1994 but uh, really the current and obviously there was 101 Dalmatians and you know um right. and then 100 I stand
1: by the 101 Dalmatians <laughs> yeah. adaptation though yeah. i mean just cuz glenn close is like killing it
0: yeah i don't know how you i don't know how you feel about 102 Dalmatians, which is one of those clever sequel things where they
1: you know. I'm pretty sure I actually did see it, and I don't remember anything about it.
0: <laughs> the the kind of current trend really begins with Cinderella in 2015. Right. And then you also have Jungle Book, Beauty and the Beast, Dumbo, Aladdin, Lion King, uh, Lady and the Tramp, as I said before, Mulan. Lady and the Tramp and Mulan ended up kind of going to stream. In. Mulan, I think, got a cinema release eventually, so it's not quite in the same category as this and Lady and the Tramp. You know, we've also had Maleficent and Cruella, which you could kind of... I mean, Maleficent is, is kind of a spin-off type thing. Cruella, I don't, it's really weird because it, it, it really has nothing... It's like a
1: prequel, right?
0: Well, it isn't even a prequel because it really has nothing to do with the actual story of 101 Dalmatians except for a few kind of like Easter eggs that they throw in. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you I mean, I guess you could also argue that there's like the, you know... there's Like there's been a few others from other studios... Um, uh, but I mean, you also have like Alice in Wonderland, which Tim Burton did, but that wasn't really technically a remake because it kind of right. it had completely different elements in terms of the story, though it did reuse some of the characters, obviously.
1: Um, yeah, I see that as more of an ad- as, a, as an alternative adaptation of Alice in Wonderland as opposed like of the actual source material as opposed yeah. to like a remake of the... Uh, animated Disney
0: film. Yeah, but in this in this case, this is following in the tradition of like Beauty and the Beast and Cinderella and Aladdin and Mulan, where it is taken uh the like this the actual story that was previously animated and remaking it practically beat for beat and it's like yep and and the re- and it's funny because people are like oh why do why do disney keep doing this and it's like well alice in wonderland Money. made 1 billion dollars and yeah. then cinderella people might not realize this made like a billion dollars and then yeah. beauty and the beast made a billion dollars and aladdin made a billion dollars and the lion king remake which people obviously spent years ripping apart made a billion dollars like when you when you when you when yeah. films make a billion dollars and you're a company you're you know the shareholders are like well can you make more of that and so right. yeah. you know we- and
1: and as far as i have heard also from people i know who have children a lot of kids actually like them who are arguably the intended audience it's just that people who are you know have disney nostalgia and grew up watching the original animated movies largely don't care for the new ones which you know is as one of those people, like, it's fine. You know, it's not made for me.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think this is something that some people don't realize. uh, And I only realize this because I've got a niece who is, like, the target age for this kind of stuff. Um, But when when Toy Story happened, Disney kind of destroyed themselves because they immediately made it that kids would not sit through 2D animation. So, you know, Mulan made more money than Toy Story in 1995. But since that point basically every pixar film that came out after a bug's life cuz bug's life kind of almost lost money has been more successful than whatever other animated stuff disney put up against it and then obviously disney realized this and that is why they you know they made frozen and frozen 2 again those both made a billion um and wreck it ralph and like so you know even disney realized that you know computer animation is the only thing kids want to see and so mm-hmm. if you try and sit a kid in front of, you know, the original Snow White or Cinderella or Jungle Book, okay, you as a parent might find it charming because you remember it as a kid. But those kids are going to be bored within 30 seconds because it's not right. CGI animated. And so, that, so it, to combat that and also to maybe try and get the audience that is maybe a little bit older than what what you would consider the general Pixar audience, which I would say is up to about the age of 10 or 11. Um, mm-hmm. you want to have some live-action stuff. And so live-action remakes is also a good way of extending your copyright. And the sure. Walt Disney Company has done nothing if not extend copyrights um, into infinity. They sure
1: like copyright law. Yeah, and so... Those
0: are at Disney. Yeah, so this Pinocchio film could be argued that is all it is doing is extending the copyright for Jiminy Cricket and for that style of Pinocchio... And, you know, for the various other characters that appear in this, Lampwick, Stromboli, these are all specifically Disney, like, kind of additions to the Pinocchio story. Yeah. So, it, you know, it feels like this is extending all of that in that way. So it's like, OK, now like now, you know, now we've got this. It's another 50 years and nobody can make a Pinocchio film uh, that's got, you know, when you wish upon a star in Um, Right. So, yeah. uh, But it's just weird that this is where Robert Zemeckis has finished up. You know, he started out making, you know, fairly good live action films, (laughs) you know, and he was he won the Oscar for, you know, best director and best picture for Forrest Gump. And then here we are nearly 30 years later and he's just basically, you know, remaking stuff for Disney and it's all people in studios. And I think Tom Hanks, it looks like he actually grew a mustache for this yeah, that looks like a real mustache. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so at the very least, they didn't CGI a mustache on him, which I, I think is a saving grace um, in this entire situation. <laughs> like, at least it's a real mustache on a real Geppetto. Uh, and obviously, we'll talk more about the performance as we we get into the discussion of the film. But I will say this about Pinocchio: I don't care. Like, give me any adaptation yeah. of Pinocchio, I literally do not care about it. I don't care about a guy, a childless man who decides to make a puppet that comes alive that has to learn some lessons and eventually turns into a human boy. I don't care about any of that. I don't find anything yeah. interesting about that story. The premise doesn't interest me. I'm like, it doesn't make any difference. In the in the original book, things like, you know, the, the, nobody has ever really kind of adapted the original book properly. They just take the basic premise of a puppet who mm-hmm. wants to be a real boy because in the original book, you know, there's, there's like a talking cricket who appears and Pinocchio kills him um, within like a page. Like he appears <laughs> and then t- Pinocchio gets scared and then he throws a hammer and it accidentally kills this cricket. So
1: well, like,
0: which would have been a great thing to happen in this film of like, if someone just that would have
1: been hilarious.
0: Yeah, if they'd have killed off Jiminy cricket, like in the first like three minutes, that would have been really funny. Obviously they can't do that. Uh, but we should talk a little about about the other person responsible for this film, which is the person adapting, you know, the original Adventures of Pinocchio, and that is Chris Weiss, um, who is yes, yeah, who is co-director of American Pie, and who wrote the the original script for Ants, and was a writer on The Nutty Professor Two, The Clumps, and uh, is probably best known for directing <laughs> About a Boy. And then he also did The Golden Compass and Twilight Saga, New Moon. Um, And he actually uh, co-wrote the adaptation of Cinderella. So that is why, you know, Disney have obviously kind of gone back to him for this. Um, And he he also did some rewrites on uh, Rogue One. And uh, he wrote wrote a film called The Mountain Between Us, which is about Idris Elba and Kate Winslet getting stuck on a mountain and, Hmm. you know, using each other for uh, warmth, let's say um but yeah so like it's weird that like the guy who like co-directed american pie is like adapting pinocchio like it's such a weird
1: he has a weird career (laughs) and i and i will say i appreciate that the guy clearly has a sense of humor about himself um that you know he's he's guested on the flop house and clearly is like okay with the fact that people make fun of some of his movies and rightfully so. I mean, I I actually will, will say that the twilight movies in general, I think are solid, like good, bad movies. Yes. Like they're good to watch and make fun of the golden compass movie is in my opinion, atrocious and morally bankrupt. Um, (laughs) But
0: And it's also (laughs) half, it's also half a movie. It finishes with the climax as if it's setting up a sequel.
1: Well, it's really awkward. Well, I mean, because there are sequels. Yeah. I mean, but it's it ends like short. It ends like very shortly before the book the book ends in and it which is like a really weird choice. Like I think almost I would find it less annoying if it were half a movie as opposed to like ninety percent of a movie. Yeah, that's what, well,
0: that's what I mean. Like, there's a, there's a feeling that like there's a bit more of the film to go, but it's like they're saving it for the sequel, so they stop there, and then the sequel never arrived. So it's like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like, and if I remember correctly, it's that specifically they end it basically in a way where they're like, well, the actual ending of the book is like a real bummer and we don't want to end there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, an odd career, like we say, you know, and here's the thing. I I, I mean, I have watched all of the American Pie films. I love American Pie, saw it at the cinema, saw, you know, the sequels that were released at the cinema at the cinema. I own all the spin Uh I own all the American Pie offs, even though they're all terrible um but you know they have a certain sense of like I, you know like it just makes me nostalgic for 1999 and all of that so i'm like you know i enjoy it so that that's the one thing that i would say and the commentary like when i bought Miracle pie on dvd it has a commentary from the cast and the directors and on that they all, you know they're all obviously very good friendly and you know they make a lot of jokes about the film and they point out like continuity errors and all kinds of stuff like that so you know like you say he's a person who has a sense of humor and is willing to kind of yeah. poke fun at stuff but then he also wrote this film so we're like we can only forgive you so much chris like at a certain point, yeah. You know, like there's there's literally a moment in this where Jiminy Cricket goes on like a long rant about stones on a, a path, and he and says like, oh, what if a wheel hits that? And 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 it's like, why is he? T- and then obviously it's a setup for later on. But like, instantly, you're like this, what is going on in this script? Um, it's
1: one of those things that I just wonder. Like, Chris, did you think that you were doing your best work here?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, but uh, I, you know, I recorded Elvis way before the Oscars. As we record this, to peek behind the curtain, the Oscars are tomorrow. But we've already had uh, the Razzies, and this film won Worst Remake, Ripoff, or Sequel uh, ahead of ahead of Firestarter, Jurassic World Dominion, uh, three hundred sixty five days. This day and the next three hundred sixty five days, the two sequels for that came out on Netflix, like pretty much within a few months, uh, and then Blonde uh which i guess is uh, what is that a ripoff i guess because uh, they got the category yeah the category is remake ripoff or sequel so i'm guessing that's the ripoff huh. in this category um yeah uh also this was nominated for uh worst uh screenplay Fair. and it didn't it didn't win blonde won that uh tom hanks did win uh, but not for this film um he won for elvis uh twice over I think yeah as A worst
1: party congratulations
0: <laughs> as worst supporting actor and worst screen combo uh, which was put as Tom Hanks and his latex laden face and ludicrous accent those that was the combo um yeah so uh, but yeah this he was nominated for Geppetto in in this film but he's lost out to Jared Leto for Morbius in the film Morbius where he plays and, Michael Morbius
1: and I will say in terms of his role as Geppetto, I have genuine sympathy for Tom Hanks, in that the guy literally must have just been acting to nothing for the entire movie. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like I- in all of his scenes, there is not a single additional person. I, I don't know I mean, and, and and like, I don't know, I mean, could he could I don't actually know how they did it. I didn't look this up, but I don't even think they could have like really done. Like the green screening thing with Pinocchio, just in part because I feel like the size is so awkward. Like he keeps like picking him up and putting him down. Like,
0: I I mean I would think that there might be a couple of times where they have an actual Pinocchio. There, but I don't know. We'd have to wait until all the kind of the CGI breakdown stuff comes out. Um, But yeah, so I mean, this film had effectively been in development since 1985, uh, when originally Jim Henson was going to kind of you know make it. Um, And Mm -hmm. it was going to be directed by Steve Barron, who I think is the director of the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. Um, And then, you know, in the end, um, you know, he ended up making a different film, but not with Disney. Um, And then obviously, you know, around 2015, they said that they were going to make this film. Uh, Chris Weitz was announced as the writer because obviously he'd, you know, he'd already worked with them on Cinderella. And then it just took a few years before... Various different people came in and out. Mostly, it seems British directors. Uh, Sam Mendes mm. came in and out, and then Paul King, who I think has directed uh, both Paddingtons, uh, and so you know gradually, and also the the the, the you know the um, uh, Simon Farnaby, who wrote Paddington as well, was also put down as a director, mm. um, and then eventually it goes to Robert Meckes. But they apparently they filmed most of this in England anyway, and it was all uh-huh. in it was all done in a studio. Um, and uh, the, the the kid who plays Pinocchio is British, uh, Benjamin Evan Ainsworth, uh, which is a very uh, my parents have money and so I can be an actor. Name not oh. passing any judgment on <laughs> Benjamin, that might not be true, but there's a reason why Daniel Radcliffe became Harry Potter, and that's because his parents are fairly wealthy. Um, mm. But yeah, so obviously you know, I think Image Movers is that the company that uh, is Robert Zemeckis's kind of production company that does all his stuff? Yes, Image Movers. That
1: sounds familiar.
0: Yeah, they're, they're the ones who've been doing everything since, like, uh, contact with him. Um, so, yeah, obviously, you know, they did some of the, you know, the the kind of the backstage stuff. Uh, D-Neg, uh, who, uh, you know, a big company that do a lot of uh, CGI stuff, they were also uh, previously known as Double Negative. Um, they did a lot of the, they're, they're British, so obviously they did a lot of the stuff. Uh, they generally work with um, uh, Chris Nolan, they did like Tenet hmm. and, you know, Interstellar and oh, okay. Inception. Yeah. So, you know they've, 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 you know, they've been nominated for or even won Oscars for various things. Um, so they, they did most of the special effects. Um, and obviously, Alan Silvestre. some
1: of the settings are cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know. When- there,
1: are, there are a few small and occasional points that I will give to this movie. <laughs> and uh, the, the settings are among them.
0: Yeah, and um, we have Alan Silvestri, obviously, uh, you know, has worked with Robert Zemeckis a ton of times. He is back. Um, And so, yeah, this was meant to go to the cinema, but apparently Dumbo failed so spectacularly um, and COVID-19 happened. And so instead of it coming out in 2020, which is when they were apparently intending on doing this, it was pushed back to 2022. Um, And also, obviously, that helped them do, you know, some more of the special effects things. Um, you know, we have Joseph Gordon-Levitt working again with Robert Zemeckis here, playing Jiminy Cricket. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key makes a very brief appearance as Honest John. Um, mm-hmm. And um, we have Lorraine Bracco, the most Italian of all the people in this, this thing who isn't Italian, um, as Sophia the Seagull, which I think is, again, an original creation. F- like, it's such a weird... Kind of, like she
1: ends- Yeah, and especially because my main association with her voice and i'm sure this is true for many people is specifically that she is the therapist in the sopranos. Yeah. Um, and hearing that come out of this seagull who occasionally has like you know at like very like practical advice and like so so we decided we needed seagull therapist is our goal here. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh yeah and then we we also have Uh, Like, Luke Evans is the coachman, Uh, an actor called Giuseppe uh, Battiston is Stromboli. Uh, Funny that, like, the only... I
1: believe our one actual Italian.
0: Yes, he's the only actual Italian, and his surname doesn't end with a uh, vowel, so uh, I don't know what's going on there. I
1: like the name Stromboli, which I think is, like, vaguely offensive as a a name choice, but, like, whatever.
0: Yeah. Um... I that's from the original, but... (laughs) Uh, it's from the Disney original. I don't think Well yes, yeah yeah. 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 Uh and as we said we have Cynthia uh Ev Ev
1: everyo Ev- Evri- Arivo,
0: yes. Uh, As the Blue Fairy, who comes in for one scene, sings the middle part of When You Wish Upon a Star and then disappears.
1: Yeah, I wonder if she was just really busy because I also, so it's been a long time since I watched the original Pinocchio and that has never been one of my favourites. But I did look up some stuff about the plot of the original Pinocchio and the Blue Fairy is in a lot more of that, as far as I can tell. So I feel like she just like had some other stuff. Stuff to do or something. I
0: seem to remember her popping back a couple of times as Pinocchio learned his lessons and yeah. Uh, but no, instead I think they've what they've done is they've taken the returning parts of that and they've given them to Cayenne uh, Lamia, Lamia, Lamia uh, as Fabiana, who is like the puppeteer who, right? Yeah, yeah. She, so she comes back and and you know towards the end and you know she's got a leg injury. Which obviously disgusts Pinocchio. He doesn't like disabled people and so he can't talk to her. And so she has to talk to him through the medium of her puppet ballerina. Um,
1: Her weird puppet... Okay, her puppet ballerina where there is a vague vibe that... Pinocchio wants
0: to have sex with this. Oh, Valorina. oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, the, 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 weird, the weird thing is, I mean, we'll get into it in a little second once we jump into this film, but there are some weird, like kind of sexual, like innuendos in this film that uh-huh. I don't think we're in the 1940 film. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we also have later on in the film, Monstro, which is a gigantic sea monster. No, I mean, I guess it fits with the Italian naming scheme in this film that it's called Monstro, right. but Yeah. Um, and obviously and t-
1: is and i think also in the original i thought it was really just kind of a whale and now it's like a whale with some extra tentacles
0: yeah again i think we can blame bobby zemeckis for that one cuz like it feels like that was a direction he gave to somebody yeah um or yeah. tentacles yes uh, we get a name drop of um of chris pine which is just like a really weird gag that they put in there when they s-
1: yeah, the dumb joke of like as a stage name. Could be Chris Pine. No, it'll never work. I'm he's like, Come
0: on. Yeah. <laughs> we have obviously Geppetto explaining several times over why he's called Pinocchio because of Pine and Child Pinocchio. Pinocchio he says over and over again Pinocchio and I'm like, Okay, yeah, we get it. I got I got it like four lines ago, Tom. Uh, you know, lay back on it. Uh we also have Lewin Lloyd, who I think is another British actor playing Lampwick, but with like a weird like New York accent um and in this the
1: accents in this movie (laughs) are just like a lot like joseph gordon levitt's southern accent as jimmy cricket is like one of the top five worst things i've ever heard yeah there's somebody who i don't remember who i think it actually is another british actor who uh shows up briefly as uh signora who's like a want to a like wannabe customer of this shop, like he wants to buy a clock, but of course, like Depetto doesn't actually sell the clocks because it's a thing, and he just comes in with this like aggressively fake Italian accent
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is that is cut- yeah kind of uh like super weird, um, but yeah, so I mean like i I feel like we've said about as much as we can about the background of this, although obviously we will say this is like the sixteenth adaptation. Or 17th adaptation on film of Pinocchio um I think it might be the 16th and Guillermo del Toro's is the is the 17th but like for a story that is basically a kid gets into trouble and then goes home I, I don't know how they keep adapting this so many times um this is obviously of course I mentioned I mentioned uh uh uh, uh Key from Key and Peele this is the second time that Tom Hanks of course has worked with him um uh, because obviously he was in Toy Story 4 uh with oh, Jordan Peele right. so uh,
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: another other than, other than Joseph Gordon-Levitt like another returning thing there was also a thing where someone was like oh Joseph Gordon-Levitt has also played Sally Field's son and so has Tom Hanks so there is that weird connection there um, uh, for uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was uh, in Lincoln as Lincoln's son I guess um, mm-hmm. so yeah uh, but uh, Otto like oh.